we recognize that fans are ending up at lots of different places to place bets on the CFL. What we want to do is work with a handful of operators that are out there to enhance that. Wherever they're ending up, we want that experience to be authenticated. That's where FanDuel comes in. That's where other operators are going to come in for us. You're listening to the Gaming News Canada show with Steve McAllister. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Gaming News Canada show presented by Osler, Hoskin, and Hardcourt LLP. As per usual, I am your host, Steve McAllister. We trust all of our friends in Canada and the United States enjoyed some rest and relaxation over the Canada Day and Independence Day long weekends. We've forgotten the LinkedIn audio thing again this week and instead went one-on-one with a couple of special guests. Owen Welsh, the Associate Vice President, Sports Betting, Gaming, and Innovation at the Canadian Football League, will kick off the show by discussing the league's new partnership deal with FanDuel. Later, Natalie Bergeron, the spokesperson for the Quebec Online Gaming Coalition, will give us an update on the push for regulated sports betting and iGaming in La Belle Provence. First, we welcome to the show CFL Executive Owen Welsh. Owen, oh, welcome to your maiden appearance on the GNCS. We've uh, we've talked about getting you in here for quite a while, and I'm, I'm glad we finally had a chance to do it. Yeah, no, I'm excited to be, be on. I've been listening to the podcast. I've been a fan, so I'm looking forward to uh, uh, continuing to uh, support the podcast in any way I can. Great. Well, let's get right to it. Uh, exciting news late late last week. Um, you know, I, I am going to mention not quite in time for the Thursday morning newsletter. So, uh, you know, you, we'll, we'll give the league and FanDuel a mulligan on that one, uh, Owen. But obviously, an exciting uh, news for the league. And as I wrote in the Tuesday newsletter and, and used a, a YouTube clip from from uh, from Forrest Gump, I mean, this this partnership really is, uh, I think, kind of falls under the no-brainer category. It, it does. Um, I was laughing when I saw it because I, I would prefer to uh, compare it to, we'll call it the Avengers uh, pop culture reference where Captain America, Iron Man, and Hulk are all coming together uh, given their diverse skills and background and each leaning on each other uh, to accomplish a mission. And this is really fan engagement. Um, so we're, we're excited about this one. Um, we're, we're, you know, jointly coming together with FanDuel to lean in uh, with our partners at TSN um, to amplify the league storytelling and create really additional excitement around, uh, around the game for our fans. I think the storytelling elements, the one thing that really in, intrigues me and, and interests me, Owen, and that, that again is I do, I think if you talk to people around the industry, and, and we, we had this conversation at the Canadian Gaming Summit last month with, with Connor Murray from, from Franduel, who we quoted in the newsletter on Tuesday, and, and Chris Abbott from Botano, and um, Jared Beaver from Bet99, is that, uh, you know, fan, the Franduel TSN marriage has been a pretty good one in terms of storytelling and finding you know finding that balance between sports betting and and sports media and and fan engagement and i just wonder again as much as this this partnership makes a lot of sense um was the league excited to get on board given what they've seen from that fan dual tsm relationship so far Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, we were a little delayed in uh, rolling out our authorized gaming operator model uh, this year and seeking, you know, a multi-partnership approach, um, which is which has seemed to be the industry norm outside of the unicorn partnerships that were available heading into April 4th of last year. 
Um, so FanDuel obviously was on our radar, um, you know, given their relationship with TS uh, with TSN and uh, and our relationship with TSN. So we've had ongoing conversations, um, knowing that we were headed towards uh, an authorized gaming operator model. Um, this one's been really exciting for us because of the existing partnership with TSN. Um, they're, you know, FanDuel and TSN are, are really uniquely positioned themselves, um, uh, given uh, the fact that, you know, it's an exclusive relationship um, um, on that platform compared to maybe other broadcast partners that are out there. So they can tweak, they can refine, uh, they can, uh, you know, invest further in other innovation opportunities. Um, you know, I would like to think we were sort of the missing link, um, uh, the missing piece, the missing force. Uh, certainly as it relates to our window in the year uh, in Canada, um, which I know is uh, is a great opportunity for us to lean in and, and do some really cool things in uh, in Ontario next year uh, using all three of those forces. So um, excited for the innovation to come and, um, you know, putting content, storytelling, um, you know, player players, uh, player prop bets, you know, touchdown scores, all that kind of innovation um at the forefront and we'll be able to work together um you know to really tweak things and, and improve things going forward as it relates to the fan engagement opportunities you know and you you sat on a panel at the canadian gaming summit last last month in toronto and i've been to a few conferences uh since march the igaming x conference sbc summer north america which you were at as well and when you listen to yourself and uh Exact sports betting executives with our leagues. So the one thing they talk about is how sports betting has actually enhanced fan engagement. And uh, David Highkill from the NFL, he spoke at iGaming Next back in March about they were seeing uh, fans were hanging in games. For example, if you you might be a, a Jets fan, but you were watching the uh, you were watching a Cowboys Packers game at four o'clock on the Sunday afternoon because you had a bet on on the over under, and they were actually seeing there was the betting element was actually helping their television ratings. And uh, I, I believe that's something that you touched on a little bit at the panel of appearances that that you made as well. Is that you know this this isn't just about sports betting. No, I mean I I think for leagues and specifically for our league. Um, we we recognize that fan engagement is um, uh, is unique to every fan, uh, and you know fans are engaging with the sport in different ways. They could be viewing uh, the game on broadcast. Uh, that's the predominant way to engage with the league. They could be tuning in once a week uh, to a few Twitter posts or um, uh, you know in, you know visiting cfl.ca for for some information visiting other apps that are available so they're engaging with uh, the sport in different ways um, but there's no doubt that sports betting and gaming have created a, a lane for um, avid sports bettors for um, uh, other responsible you know 19 19 plus uh, sports bettors that may be on the fence that maybe want to learn more about what this means and how this can enhance their experience with the CFL or other leagues. So this has been on our radar for quite some time, as you know, uh, lots of uh, developments in other countries um, over the years. So for us, the thesis is fan engagement increases. What that fan engagement looks like is, is TBD. And we need to, we need to do a better job of tracking the correlation going forward, but we know it empirically drives fan engagement um, with the, with FanDuel and, and TSN, we're going to, Pay particularly, you know, close, uh, uh, um, uh, close to, you know, essentially what can drive fan engagement 
um, uh, what can drive sports betting and what can improve ways that fans are tuning into the game um, through this relationship and through the types of innovation that we're developing together. Um, so our focus with this partnership is going to be more the correlation between, uh, you know, broadcast viewership, um, cool content and uh, on platform engagement. But it doesn't mean it won't span in, you know, into other uh, other areas, which we're excited to get into. And, you know, this is still in its infancy in, in Canada. Um, and I, I like to think that the CFL is uniquely positioned um, uh, to really grow through sports betting over the next few years. We just need to lean in um, and start in, you know, continuing to invest in, um, you know, ways of tracking that and find ways to uh, continue to improve uh, over time. And it's a simple, it's as simple as that. Um, but I think with a direct relationship with uh, operators like FanDuel, we'll start to learn more about what sports betting really means for the CFL. Um, and then, you know, when you compare that to our broadcast partner and what we're doing to grow grow that on our channels, um, you know, I think there's going to be some interesting insights that come out of that. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we spoke with Connor Murray, the vice president of marketing for FanDuel uh, for Tuesday's newsletter, Owen. and. Uh, you know, it appears there's also from that conversation and, and talking to you as well that there is a marketing element to this as well. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I don't think it's a, it's a secret that, uh, you know, CFL does go through periods where there is a bit of a player player carousel. And, and uh, you know, we're seeing that especially at the quarterback position right now with, with quarterbacks changing changing teams and I think losing a couple of quarterbacks to uh, to the NFL and the, and the new, new XFL. Uh, Connor talked about the, the you know player props and that FanDuel is going to aggressively help the league market market star players and that's not not that's not only in in Canada the U.S. but in in Europe and other countries around the world as well. Um, is that something the league thought about as well with this partnership? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, I would say you know the sports betting strategy sits sort of in between traditional partnerships and our marketing strategy. So um, it's a new revenue stream for us. Um, yeah, we are protecting the integrity of game at the, uh, the, the integrity of the game at the same time through some of the policies that we have in place um, through our framework uh, that we have to interact with operators, which is called our authorized gaming operator model. Um, uh, but Yes, that's a big part of our strategy. We've we know FanDuel is uniquely positioned here to um, uh, to lean in, whether it's through you know unique player props like anytime touchdown scores, uh, passing, rushing, receiving yardage, highlighting the stars that we have in this game um, in a really unique way outside of a traditional way of marketing is um, is exciting for us, and and we want to lean in. And uh, again, there are lots of stars uh, in our league. Uh, these are athletes that have been, uh, you know, at the top of their game in uh, NCAA colleges, all the way to stars in the NFL coming coming up to the CFL and playing. So, you know, it's about highlighting those stars uh, uh, on the platform in different way, creating new insights for TSN and the CFL to recognize um, that uh, that exist in this game and and how fans are really engaging with the product. Um, so I think it's just accepting that there there's this whole new lane to um, uh, to engage with the CFL to potentially build its brand on platform. And, and, you know, and we recognize that fans are ending up at lots of different places to place bets on uh, the CFL. I think what we want to do is work with 
um, a handful of operators that are out there um, to enhance that. And that's where FanDuel comes in. That's where other operators are going to, uh, to come in for us is, you know, wherever they're ending up, we want that experience to be authenticated. And I think FanDuel specifically alongside TSN will help us do that to, um, you know, a, a really high level. Um, and I think it's going to be about innovation and what's what's working based on what we're seeing, um, you know, drive interest and in wagering on the platform. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, we're coming together to, to, you know, to align on this and uh, we're going to we're going to push the limits on what we can do. They talk about, you know, content being king, Owen, and, this, you know, as a career long journalist, that's, uh, I'm certainly on board with that. But we also, uh, to your point. Uh, innovation and more recently data and technology, I think, play a huge role in, in continuing to, to make content, uh, content king. The league announced a partnership deal, I guess, just over a year ago with Genius Sports. And I, I would assume that uh, Genius is going to have some role to play in this partnership as well. For sure. Yeah, Genius is um, a, a big part of this and uh, our, our oper authorized gaming operator model. It's a requirement to use official CFL data uh, to be an AGO. Um, so, you know, FanDuel is going to have they have their own relationship with Genius um, uh, through other leagues. Uh, and they're they're going to be working with Genius on enhancing, you know, uh, betting lines and um, and props, prop bets and whatever else they can develop together. Um, in partnership. So we've we've all stayed close in this process um, and uh, just recognizing that there are different lanes uh, that lead towards fan engagement here. Um, but we're all going along for the ride together. And I, I think we're all playing, um, you know, different roles in this. And, um, you know, we're all sort of sharing, sharing data and insights along the way. So again, it's still in its infancy, but, you know, we are talking about uh, brands that have been in this industry for a very long time that understand it um, very well and can inform us as a league, uh, uh, along with TSN, you know, as to opportunities that we can jump on, right, to to en enhance the fan uh, fan engagement experience. Um, so it's about staying close, I think, Steve, and um, just sort of seeing where the trends are and 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 uh, you know seeing how we're uniquely positioned to capitalize on it. Hey, I want to wrap up on uh, sat in on your panel at the uh, at the Canadian Gaming Summit and uh, you know you talked about the relationship between the leagues and the teams and uh, you know any of us that have been watching the sports business industry for any length of time you know that it's it's sometimes a complex relationships where you in your case the CFLs out there selling national sponsorships and you're you're trying to maximize your revenues at the national level you have nine member clubs who are trying to, you know, have their own successful businesses through, uh, through sponsorships and local media rights and merchandise and other licensing opportunities. <clears throat> and you spoke at length about how that relationship applies in the, uh, in the sports betting and gaming industry. And that's, you know, an already complex situation is made even maybe a little bit more complicated by the fact that we have a wide open market here in Ontario with, you know, some 45 operators now and, across the rest of the country, um, in essence, regulated gaming is really the, the lottery and, and gaming corporations running that industry across the country. I'm hoping you could just talk to our listeners a little bit about about that relationship and, and the strategy of the league moving forward with, with working at, uh, at the club level. For sure, yeah. And 
it, it is complex because you know the CFL has nine teams spanning seven provinces. Uh, as you know, you know sports betting is regulated provincially, um, uh, and it differs by e you know each province. Um, and I, I think it, uh, we've tried our best to simplify it for our approach, um, and it, it really comes back to our match manipulation policy, which we've developed to safeguard the integrity of the game, um, to maintain you know fan trust, to uphold the sports values that we have in place, and to, to protect athletes, officials, and other stakeholders. Um, you know, from doing things that uh, that we don't agree with, that we that aren't in line with uh, with those values. So, um, what the match manipulation policy also does is protect the commercial framework that we have in place to interact with op licensed operators, and that that is the authorized gaming operator model. So it's really it comes back to the match manipulation policy and the authorized gaming operator model that we have in place. The AGO, um, you know, allows us to. Uh, to all work together with our clubs between the league and the teams uh, to interact with licensed sports books uh, the similar way. So, if a sports book require, uh, if a sports book would like access to um, become a league or team partner going forward or any commercial inventory, um, they would need to become an AGO. And the AGO has a few different requirements. Uh, it's territory based. Um, so, you know, if you're a private operator in Canada, our territory is going to be Ontario. Uh, so we're going to focus more on Ontario. Uh, in other provinces, we're working directly with the Lottery and Gaming Corps. Um, and uh, and as I mentioned earlier, like again, each of each of the Lottery and Gaming Corporations has maybe a different approach in their own territory. So it's about collaborating with them based on the model that we have in place, uh, the framework that we have in place, uh, which has some requirements, in, including. You know, partnering on um, integrity-related uh, investigations. Um, you know, some data sharing requirement, uh, both integrity and education-based, to help us understand better what's happening from a CFL betting standpoint, um, and to keep an open line of communication. So um, it makes it easier to sort of point to the AGO model and program that we have in place for our clubs. Uh, there is a lot of education and um, understanding on both sides, however, so it does take time to to understand what we're trying to accomplish with that, uh, better understand the um, the model that we have in place, um, you know, certainly in conversations with our lottery and gaming corporations. Um, but it's coming together. We're making lots of progress, uh, lots of discussion and dialogue across the country. So um, we've turned something I think that's very complex into um, you know, I, I would say I would like to think it's a simple approach um, coming back to our values um, and, uh, you know, what seems to be very similar values across the country, so long as it's broken down by by territory. Um, so it, it comes back to that. Well, Ed, we have, we have educated our clubs quite a bit on that and it's an ongoing discussion. Um, but, you know, you look you, we have to look back at the match manipulation policy that we have in place, along with um, the AGO model that we have in place. And. Um, that way we can move forward. Owen Welsh is the Associate Vice President, Sports Betting, Gaming, and Innovation for the Canadian Football League. Uh, Owen, we could, uh, we could probably continue talking for a couple of more hours about what the league's doing. And, and uh, again, I think as we always say uh, in, on this podcast is that it's still very early days when it comes to regulated sports betting and gaming in, in this country. And 
I know we'll, we'd like to get you back on later this year and, and talk a little bit more about the topic and, and the league's plans. But really appreciate you joining us uh, today. And, and this, uh, this was long overdue for us to get you on here. Uh, agreed. Thanks for having me on, Steve. And um, I, I look forward to being a friend of this podcast. Uh, I'm a big supporter of, of the industry, as you can tell. Um, and, uh, you know, we hope that there's lots of uh, lots of updates to share along the way as we continue to kind of forge through this. And we've got a lot to say um, to date, but we'll have more to say as time goes by and we start to figure this, this thing out and educate ourselves on CFL sports betting. Um, so thank you for having me on, Steve. I appreciate it. Great, terrific. All. We'll talk again soon. A word from our sponsor. The Gaming News Canada Show is presented by Osler, Hoskin, and Harcourt, LLP. Osler's gaming practice has the insight needed to help clients navigate the complex and evolving landscape of the gaming industry. Osler's position as a trusted advisor in the gaming industry has been built over years of service to operators, suppliers, and gaming authorities. Visit osler.com slash gaming for more information. That's O-S-L-E-R dot com forward slash gaming. Now back to the show. Towards the end of May, we reported in the newsletter on the creation of the Quebec Online Gaming Coalition, made up of seven operators which are licensed in Ontario, along with a company called Apricot Investments. The coalition was formed to lobby the Quebec finance ministers and others to open a regulated sports betting and gaming marketplace in La Belle Provence, similar to what happened in Ontario more than a year ago now. We spoke back in late May, early June with uh, Natalie Bergeron, the spokesperson for the Quebec Online Gaming Coalition. If you'll remember, we first reported on this story back in, in late May when the coalition was, was announced. The players in this coalition are, uh, just to uh, refresh everybody's memories, are uh, Betway, Bet99, DraftKings, and Tane, Flutter. And again, if you're not familiar with Flutter, they're the owners of PokerStars and FanDuel, which are both uh, both licensed to operate in Ontario. Uh, Games Global and Rush Street Interactive. Uh, there's also another company, Apricot Investments, which make up the coalition. And uh, you may recall when when the coalition made the announcement back in May, we uh, the coalition really being formed to push for a regulated gaming model similar to Ontario. Uh, that week after the announcement was made, we uh, we reached out to uh, to the uh, to Lotto Quebec officials and the uh, provincial finance minister's office in Quebec, and uh, they uh, I guess to put it bluntly pulled poured cold water on the idea. Anyway, we've been w- wanting to get uh, to get Natalie in here for a few weeks now, so we do welcome to the Gaming News Canada show, Natalie Bergeron. Thank you for having me. Great. Thank you, Matt, Natalie. Let's start. I mean, it's been, uh, I think it's been four, four or five weeks now since we first talked and, and uh, the announcement about the coalition's come out. Just curious what the, the kind of work that you've been doing since that initial announcement. Uh, well, there's been... A lot of uh, media interest for the announcement, uh, the results of the survey, and as well as our asks to the government. So it's been interesting to see the conversation pick up, a conversation that was not taking place and now is getting more traction and getting more interest as well. And we're seeing that, um, you know, from the public, from the media coverage, we're, we're seeing a perception that is changing as well because the arguments are making sense and they see as well that the population is also in favor. Yeah, just on that, Nally, 
we mentioned back uh, back a month ago when we first chatted about about some of the research that the coalition had done in, in advance of putting out the announcement, and there already seems to be some momentum and, and players or customers in, in Quebec that they are interested in having more options when it comes to betting on sports or playing online games. Well, I think that the, the fact that that many players are playing is, is, is an argument on its own, but it's not just uh, players, it's the population at large. If you're looking at the survey, population is, is in favor of a, reg a regulated system simply to make sure that whoever decides to engage in playing is doing so in the most in the you know the most safe and 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 the most logical manner, and that logical manner would involve you know paying back uh, taxes to the government and being able to contribute to society. So that's sixty six percent of Quebecois who would be in favor of a regulated system, and more interesting is the seventy five percent of them would be interested in seeing those monies reinvested in making sure that we are studying responsible gamings and we are making sure that we are promoting uh, responsible gamings and the right measures to make sure that uh, players are playing in a safe environment. I think it's worth mentioning too, Natalie, that this you know this idea isn't isn't new to Quebec. I mean, back in 2014, the the provincial government in La Belle Provence uh, received recommendations from a task force that was made up of academic experts in online and responsible gambling um, that, uh, you know, that there was that there was momentum to have a regulated industry and people people eight, eight or nine years ago saw the benefits of a regulated industry. What I find fascinating is that the researchers made that report in 2014 where it was at the beginning of online gaming and they were already saying that we needed to act and we needed to make sure that we were putting the right regulations in place to make sure to control this and you know almost 10 years later we still haven't done it however the same recommendations have been implemented in the province next door in ontario uh but that we haven't listened to our own experts the one thing I, i'll ask too natalie is that it seems to me that uh, Quebec being so close to Ontario, I, I can't imagine that uh, the province and, and a lot of Quebec haven't been following what's going on in Ontario. I gave Ontario releasing numbers back in April that if you count the OLG figures, essentially uh, $2 billion in tax revenue to the province over the first 12 months of the regulated industry in Ontario. At the Canadian Gaming Summit two weeks ago, IGO came out with a report that was prepared by Deloitte looking at the econ economic benefits that this industry has brought. And again, yeah, I guess you can always debate and question some of the numbers or whatever, but I, I don't think you can argue that it, that it has uh provided benefits to the uh, the province not just in tax revenue but it, but in job uh job creation and, and other benefits i think the the implementation of the licensing system in ontario is a resounding success and those numbers are proving it and i think anybody who's watching what's happening in the industry is seeing that obviously we need to have that conversation with uh, legislators here in Quebec so that they can make that decision so they can come to the same conclusion and the job we've been trying to do for the past month is making sure that they are seeing those numbers and they're seeing the right context as well it just seems it, it really feels like it's not uh, a matter of, of if but but when Natalie I mean Quebec uh, uh, I think as we discussed discussed 
for the newsletter a few weeks ago, Quebec's a really unique market. Uh, obviously, a very vibrant sports market. Again, it's a it's a province like provinces across the country. We're coming out of a, a COVID nineteen pandemic. Uh, we face some really difficult economic uh, economic challenges right now. No matter whether you live in British Columbia, Alberta, Ontario, Quebec, the the Maritimes, and it just seems logical that uh, an industry, a new industry that could come in and provide tax dollars to the province at a time when they're badly needed, that, that seems to make an awful lot of common sense. Well, that That is certainly our point of view. However, we need the government to come to that same conclusion. What I think is interesting is you mentioned the impacts of the pandemic. We've seen a massive increase in players during the pandemic. So uh, one of our uh, public health institute has estimated 20% of Quebecois have tried online gaming over the last uh, couple of years, which means that that number needs to be paid attention to. We need to make sure that those gamers have access to uh, safe, uh, you know, safe playing environments and that we are making sure to provide them with the resources that they need. The other piece for me, Natalie, going back to kind of the province's uniqueness uh, when it comes to sports is, uh, again, the province has a very vibrant sports culture. I mean, you have uh, you have a world-class tennis facility in Montreal and, and uh, the National Bank Open is one of the best tennis tournaments in the world that comes to comes to that city every uh, every summer. You've got major junior hockey. You have very, very vibrant university sports program. And then Quebec also, uh, you know, arguably has the strongest contingent of Olympic athletes in, in the country. And we've seen with operators coming in Ontario, those sponsorship opportunities and those opportunities where, you know, Points Bet Canada came in and, and did a sponsorship deal with uh, with Curling Canada right away. And we see that the investments that uh, the FanDuel has, has made in, in sports space. And again, this this not only an industry that would take take money out of people's pockets uh but it's also an industry that's going to going to give back to uh to sports organizations and, and and other entities well that's why when we're talking about this we want the government to look at the entire ecosystem it is more than just private operators making games available it is more than just gamers like it, you're looking at broadcasters you're looking at sports teams uh you know our members have uh, agreements uh, have deals in place with some of the sports teams. There's a lot of people involved in, in in this entire industry that would be impacted, and I think we need to listen to all of them before making a decision. Now, the other thing we uh, we reported on not too long ago was a lot of Quebec came out with this its uh, annual report recently, and and I know the coalition has taken a look at those numbers, and and you you have some insight on that. Well, I think, what I think is interesting is they estimate having 50% of the market, but when we're looking at, you know, Ontario's results, Proada with Quebec uh, numbers, it looks more like 20% of the market, which is, you know, quite low in, as, a matter of, as a matter of fact. I think it's important to take that into consideration when making a decision. I think the one thing that surprised people in Ontario and across the industry, Natalie, is how quickly the gray market was whittled down and, and that uh, the, the Alcohol and Gaming Commission of Ontario, iGaming Ontario, and, there, and there's still some work to be, be done. I know there are concerns about black market operators still being allowed to advertise in, in certain, uh, certain platforms, but uh, 
for the most part, uh, that transition, you know, moving, not only moving gray market operators into the, uh, into the uh, regulated market, but also uh, forcing, forcing gray market or offshore operators to leave the Ontario market. That, that was a pretty successful venture. I'd rather use the term unregulated, um, which to me makes more, you know, makes more sense based on, on, on the context. What I think is interesting with Ontario is that it shows that gamers will choose options that are, you know, if, if the government or if the, if, if uh, Quebecois are faced with that, with regulated options, they will go for that. And it also shows that it's beneficial for the public operators as much as the private operators. Uh, I mean, OLG has seen an increase in 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 its uh, in its base as well. Yeah, no, no. I think you make a great point there. I mean, the the OLG has been very transparent that having a competitive marketplace really forced them to pull up their pants and and uh, and build a better business, especially on the on the digital side and and the proofs in the in the pudding and. Uh, OLG tells a pretty good story now, and it's been quite interesting to see um, OLG executives sitting on panels with other operators. And I don't think we would have forecasted that uh, 16, 16 months ago. I, I think there's, you know, there's healthy competition in the marketplace, but it's not a it's not a case of it's OLG against 45 operators. I think there's 45 operators who compete against each other, and and they're also OLGs competing within that space as well. I think there, there's room for everyone, and I think what we need to to keep in mind is, you know, the welfare and the benefits of the players. They're, you know, they're our customers, and right now it's kind of obvious that they're not getting what they want, and this is why they're looking at other options than Little Quebec. And if we are giving them safe options, everybody wins. The government's getting the money back anyway. Right. You can kind of get your crystal ball out. Well, how do you see spending the summer? It's funny. I, I talked to Paul uh, Burns from the Canadian Gaming Association for the for another podcast, and we were talking last week about uh, you know usually we all look forward to summer being a slow time for everybody, but that's that's certainly not the case for Paul right now, and and I would think that's probably not the case for you and the coalition. I do not like looking in the crystal ball. I like to sit on facts however what i want to project is is we've had interesting conversations with the media but also with representative of the government and i think those conversations went well so we hope we gave them food for thought and we hope that these conversations continue in the months that are coming and that experts are also being asked to consult about this and give their opinion uh because you know, as you said, 2014 uh, researchers released another report. Those researchers are still active. And most of the time, what we hear in interviews is they are asking the same thing we are. So we are hoping that those conversations continue to take place so that when Parliament reconvenes in the fall, that, the, you know, that file can move forward or, may, or make some progress. Right. Uh, last question, Natalie. Just uh, you know, this was a, the coalition announced initially was a, a fairly tight uh, group. And I, are you? I, I would assume that you are getting other operators who are reaching out and would like to be part of this. Right now, we're still the same members of the coalition. However, the coalition is open to welcoming any 
other operator that wants to join the effort. Of course, the, the more the merrier, the stronger her voice will be. Natalie Bergeron is a spokesperson for the Quebec Online Gaming Coalition. Natalie, really appreciate your time. I know this isn't going to be the only time we have you on the podcast, so we look forward to getting you back again soon. Thank you for having me. Merci beaucoup. And that's it for another edition of the Gaming News Canada Show presented by Osler, Hoskin, and Harcourt LLP. You can find this podcast on the Gaming News Canada Substack page along with Apple and Spotify. And please subscribe to the Gaming News Canada newsletter presented by GBG PLC for the latest news, notes, and quotes from the business of sports betting and iGaming. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Gaming News Canada show. Sign up for our newsletter at GamingNewsCanada.ca. Follow Steve McAllister on LinkedIn to join the live audience. Message Steve if you're interested in being a sponsor or featured guest.